Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the work with me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by Hilary McMillan, who's the founder of her namesake, contemporary, cruelty-free, vegan, size-inclusive, and now sustainable women's wear brand in Canada. Hilary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be chatting with you. Absolutely. I'm so delighted to discover you and your brand and what you're doing. I absolutely love it. So let's get stuck in and and find out more. So you've been running your fashion brand, which is called Hilary McMillan. So it's named after yourself since 2013. Tell us a bit about your why. What are your drivers for doing this? And also just talk a little bit about how you got here. So what what were you doing before and what was your journey into this? Um, the why, uh, I always wanted to kind of have my own brand and my own label. Um, and, you know, it, since it is named after me, I wanted to kind of be speak true to myself and stuff that I believe in. So um, where the veganism and the cruelty-free and the size-inclusive kind of aspect of the women's wear brand kind of comes from. Um, and then, you know, I just wanted to create something that women could feel empowered in. And that's kind of been the, the journey since the beginning. And the goal is to just create clothes that make women feel like just amazing in. Um, so, you know, it's been great so far. It's been a, definitely a a journey to get to where I am now, but it's all, you know, about self-discovery and our brands change a little bit over the years and, you know, it's just getting better and better every year and we're just refining it and refining it. Um, prior to um, having the brand, I actually graduated university with a completely different degree. Um, I had a poli-sci and economics degree. Wow, then, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a bit, that's a pivot, isn't it? The buzzword of 2020. <laughs> it was a total pivot, but um, honestly, I've learned so much about just running your own business and um, economics, which was really helpful to have a, a business. Like it is a fashion brand. You need to be knowledgeable on kind of the fashion aspects of things, but in terms of like when you're a small business owner, which a lot of people experience needs to be kind of the jack of all trade and sometimes do the accounting and sometimes do, you know, payroll. And so it kind of helped me with starting my own business. Um, and then after university, I went to fashion school and that's where I kind of learned the skill set to actually create clothes and pattern drafting and about merchandising a little bit more. Um, and then from there, I actually moved back to Toronto, which is where I live now. And my sister opened a jewelry store. So it was a um, in this kind of cool art district of Toronto. And I helped her kind of start it from the ground up. So we you know, got a location, we sourced suppliers, and I did that for about three years. And that's kind of when I decided to open my own brand was kind of being in this like immersive kind of art community and 
seeing so many great, amazing brands. It was jewelry, so it was a little different than what I was doing, but I got to see kind of like the buying side and going to a trade show and kind of get that skill set. And from then I kind of felt a little bit ready to try to jumpstart into um, starting my own brand. And I was lucky enough because the hardest thing about when you're starting out is getting into stores and getting your stuff in front of customers. And um, this was kind of before social media and Facebook and Instagram was kind of a big thing. So it was so great to kind of have a location I could put my clothes in and get customers' reactions right away. So I was fortunate enough in the like, beginning of my brand story to be able to kind of capture on that. Um, and then I was there for about three years and then moved um, on my own and kind of uh, started, you know, trying to wholesale to other stores and kind of been going on doing that ever since. So did you mean you had your own store from the beginning or you were in, in other uh, other stores? So it started out with my sister's jewelry store. Oh, okay. Sister. You started, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I put the collection in there. So it kind of became a jewelry store plus my collection. So there was clothes and oh, put a little nice. back area. And then from there, I uh, did that for about a year and a half and then tried to get into other stores and wholesale to other, you know, kind of places and boutiques. Wow, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. I love hearing how people got to to where they are. That's amazing. It just goes to show, you know, just because you did a particular degree at college doesn't mean you're locked into following that for life. You can change to something that you're more passionate about. And great to hear, though, that that still helped you in the business side of things, because that is important. We often think of things like fashion is it's so creative. But if you're you know, particularly running your own business, unless you've got a ton of money or massive investors, you've got to do, as you say, that kind of that other type work, the business side of things. So thank you for sharing that. So can you talk us through a few of the challenges? What were a couple of the challenges you or the key challenges when you first started out and how did you handle them? Um, Because I started out like really small and I started out on my own. um, uh, It was kind of doing everything myself. So kind of trying to learn things that I wasn't skilled in and wasn't kind of my strong suit. Um, I also didn't work for another fashion brand. I did a little bit interning uh, in university and, and my design program after. So I kind of moved to Toronto and had no connections and didn't know anything about manufacturing or local, um, you know, local people that could help me or just kind of anything in that world. So I had to kind of all pick it up really quickly and on my own. So I made a lot of errors in the beginning that could have probably been avoided by going to work for someone first. That's always my advice to people who are starting out is just go and get as much experience in the industry as possible because um, it helps you just save a little money. The fashion industry is is tricky because you can burn a lot of money quickly because um, you don't get paid off the goods you already made. So you have to have enough startup money to be able to kind of create a collection and then get it manufactured and then sell it. So um, that would kind of help mitigate that kind of loss in the beginning. So I wish I had known that going into it, but you know, you learn as you go and just keep pushing. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned you've got your products into other stores and wholesale. Can you talk a little bit about how you managed to make that happen? Because I can imagine there's so much competition there to do that. And there's so much that the buyers are are looking at. How how did you manage to do that? So in the beginning, um, I started locally. So I went to other boutiques that kind of around Toronto and um, offered it more on a consignment basis, like take it for a season, test it out. um, You know, whatever doesn't sell, you can give back, which just helps retailers a lot because it's taking a chance on a new brand can, you know, it's a big step for them. Um, So that kind of got my foot into the door with a lot of boutiques. And then I went to trade shows. So went to New York, went to some in in Canada, and then actually went to one in the UK um, to kind of just present your collection in front of buyers and to buyers that maybe wouldn't be able to reach by emailing or calling or just stopping by the boutique. So that kind of was my strategy to get into to different stores. The trade show is kind of a contentious issue among designers. Some people think it's kind of the death of the trade show. There's not, it's not so relevant anymore, especially with social media and a lot of um, buying appointments. And now, especially with the pandemic, um, we're not sure where it's going to go from here, but I kind of thought to enter a new market, it's important to kind of get people to actually touch your goods. 
um, you know, because we are a cruelty-free brand, we kind of pride ourselves on like really beautiful faux furs and our uh, vegan leathers are really great. So we want people to actually touch them and feel them. So that's kind of been our strategy to just get put as many trade shows as possible to be able to see our goods. Yeah, nice, nice. So as well as obviously being cruelty-free, being vegan and now sustainable, you chose to be uh, to appeal to and offer to the plus-size market right from the beginning. Talk us through a little bit about that and, and what kind of reactions you got and any challenges around that, any feedback? Um, it's been great so far. This is actually our first season being size-inclusive. So um, spring, ah. spring, summer 20, um, we've always gone up to 14 and then um, we kind of made the shift uh, about a year ago. So because in fashion, we work a year and ahead. So even though this decision made internally was made almost a year and a half ago, it doesn't actually come out until a year later. So it's been something we've been working on for a while. It is, it's been a tricky kind of go in the beginning because I wasn't trained in, in doing plus size clothing, which is a little bit of a different kind of way that you drop and a different way that you grade up sizes. So going from like an extra small to a four X is a different kind of process than going from extra small to an extra large. So I did like a lot of research. I did, I bought a ton of plus size clothing. I just kind of looked at different measurements and how different brands kind of were grading up their clothing too, to kind of just kind of amalgamate all this information as I possibly could. So I can kind of go into it with my best foot forward. And then we did a ton of kind of fit meetings with different models and just got our stuff on as much people as possible. Um, but it's been great. The reception has been amazing. Um, when I, before I went into, I was kind of engaging with the community and asking people what they were kind of missing from fashion. And a reoccurring thing I heard is they kind of feel left out of the fashion conversation in general. If you're above a size 14, even sometimes above a size 10 um, in US sizing. So um, I, that to me was just something that was kind of a big miss from the fashion community and kind of you know, sad to hear that a lot of people, um, you know, weren't feeling included in kind of this like fashion world. So that's kind of always been a goal of mine. And so I'm happy to kind of be able to be there right now. And and get it out there. Fantastic. So it doesn't mean in terms of because with fashion, like, are you kind of making to order? Or do you have to make like a minimum order of certain things? Because it's a bit of a risk, isn't it kind of going into that new market, because you don't know exactly, even though you've got feedback, people want it, you still don't know exactly how much of each item you're going to sell. So how do you kind of offset that? It is tricky. So we do wholesale. So we wholesale to other um, businesses and they'll place. Hold on. Sorry, my dog. You can hear that. Perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey Maisie hi Maisie <laughs> Sorry. Like have, that's okay I like to have little dogs occasionally make guest appearances and I've even had a kitten on the podcast before and usually I say oh, their really? name away so it's fine it's all good <laughs> okay great she just can be she's she's only she's young so she just doesn't ever want to leave my side <laughs> oh bless her <laughs> You might Sorry, have to show just... her before you go. Um, oh, you were just saying about, you know, making the uh, the amount of product that you make Correct. and how you offset that. Um, so uh, we wholesale to other businesses. So uh, that lets us kind of predict what units we're going to sell for that season. And then we produce about six months out. Uh, we do have a pretty robust e-commerce um, business. So um, we have to kind of predict based on what sold for last year, what our goals for the next year, next season are, and then kind of how much we're trying to grow. And then acquire enough product to meet those goals. Um, and then at the end of the season, we do work with off pricers. Um, if we have leftover goods and we'll give it to them, but uh, it's kind of just a gamble a little bit. You got to, some styles you think are going to be do really well and they don't necessarily resonate with mm -hmm. their customers. So, you know, we're acquiring more information every year, which allows us to kind of make smarter choices, but going into the plus world, you know, we, we played a little safe with the styles that we did. So the things that we knew kind of would sell or that were um, the feedback of people, what were they are missing. So, it we you know started with certain units tested out and it's been going well so we're expanding it even more um, for next season 
Brilliant. Now, in 2017, you launched a feminist capsule bomber jacket. Now, I'm a, a long-time out-and-proud feminist. I'm perfectly fine with the term, but it can it is a term that can invite a bit of controversy. Maybe it's a little bit divisive. Tell us about your choice to use, to, to actually call the jacket a feminist uh, capsule. So I hate that it's divisive. I hate that it is a little divisive. I think it is such a great, um, it's a great term. And if people actually look up the de de definition, it just means equality between men and women. There isn't much beyond that. Um, and I wanted to create something that people could, people that are proud, that are proud feminists like I am, that can wear it on their sleeves, on their backs, and kind of show it to the world. And I wanted it to be really in your face, and I wanted it to create conversations um, with uh, people on the street or your friends or you know whoever you come in co contact with. And I don't think it should be kind of hidden in the shadows. I think it should be out there and, um, you know, create these conversations so that the notion of feminism isn't such a, you know, a man hater mantra or whatever people kind of think of it in, in a negative way because it's not. It, you know, we should all be feminist men and women alike. Absolutely. I'm totally with you on that. What kind of reaction did you get? Can you, were there any kind of particularly negative comments or feedback you got and how did you handle them? Uh, yeah, still, still yeah, I get negative feedback. <laughs> yeah. um, the internet is a horrible place sometimes. It, I let it roll off my, black, my back a little bit. I just think that um, people are going to say what they want to say. And, you, you know, unless they're going to take the time to listen to what your point of view is, you can't convince them otherwise sometimes. So I just try not to read it that, and read it or look at it too much and not let it bother me. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's caused some issues in terms of people have voice their opinions um but for the most part it's pretty positive i haven't had too many bad things so and it's good to see that at least yeah see it's not like you've had a plummet in like lost loads of customers that have said i'm no longer buying your stuff because you've got the way feminists done it <laughs> uh not yet so hopefully that happen. <laughs> good. Uh, that's very good <laughs> now interestingly victoria beckham wore one of your jackets how did that come about um, so uh, City Line, which is a talk show in Toronto, uh, Tracy Moore is the host. And so uh, we know her and she was coming on to the show. And, you know, everyone always tells Victoria Justin to smile. She doesn't smile enough. <laughs> one of our, yeah, one of our jackets is don't tell me to smile. So Tracy uh, reached out and was, um, you know, was like, oh, this is such a fun thing that we can give to Victoria Beckham. Show Canadians have a sense of humor. Um, and she, we just gifted it to her and she kind of loved it and posted about it and wore it on the show. So it was just a great way. To oh, wow. That's <laughs> brilliant. Not only getting media, which is great, which I obviously encourage people to do. My background is journalism, but actually having a celebrity and media, that was like a double whammy. That's fantastic. Wonderful. Did you see like a spark in sales, like an uptick in sales after she posted about it and after her appearance? Uh, yeah, totally. A lot of people kind of coming to us to see things and getting a little bit more brand exposure. And then we were featured in a series of different articles and stuff online about it. So it was a great reception. Anytime someone noteworthy kind of wears your stuff or posts about it, you always kind of feel a lift in sales. Um, so I don't know if celebrities always know like what impact they have on small brands or brands in general. Um, but when they put their kind of name behind something, it really does make a huge impact for so many people. Yeah, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Any celebrities listening, help out the, <laughs> the vegan, especially the vegan, the size inclusive, you know, the, the sustainable uh, brands. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Can you talk us through a little bit about how you've managed to grow your brand? Because this is such a competitive industry, the, the fashion industry, even the sustainable and now, you know, the vegan fashion industry coming out. It's a lot of competition out there how have you managed to continue to grow the brand and stay relevant 
it is very competitive. It is kind of a crazy industry to be in. I'm lucky that Canada is a little bit smaller than kind of, you know, New York or the UK, um, London. So, you know, we're kind of all, you know, big fish in a little pond here a little bit more. So that's kind of been, um, you know, it's better. It's easy to be well known kind of in a smaller place. So that's kind of helped us um, definitely get more known here in Canada. Um, but, you know, how we're kind of, you know, separating ourselves from the herd a little bit is, you know, we're trying to be vegan, we're trying to be cruelty free, we're trying to be size inclusive, contemporary, um, sustainable, all's way to kind of identify us from other people. So to create kind of these um, brand values that people can buy into, and then also at the same time, making it fashionable and contemporary and on trend for that season color wise and style wise. So even if you're not vegan or you're not into size inclusive inclusivity, which I don't know why you wouldn't be, but um, you can still come to us and buy clothing because we just make really beautiful clothing and things that are on trend. Um, And then I've also found that like with being a small brand and not being like a fast fashion brand or a large brand, a lot of consumers are now buying with their dollar and buying for things that speak to them for brand value um, reasons. So we find a lot of people that come to us also for that, which I think is an important way to differentiate yourself from other bigger brands or other brands that don't necessarily have a value-based messaging with them. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time to be doing that now. I think more and more people are becoming, um, yeah, more aware of these issues and willing to pay a bit more to ensure that, you know, the supply chain is, you know, good for, doesn't exploit humans, doesn't harm animals and is as sustainable as possible. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I know you touched on this a little bit. Um, at the beginning, you talked about some of your challenges about how, and some of the things you wish you'd known. Can you talk to us a little bit? How is the business funded to date? Um, self-funded. So it started out uh, with self-funding and then family funding. And then um, just over time, we've been able to obviously become successful, but it's just funded on its own. Wow. That's good. That's good to know. Very good mm-hmm. to know. That's wonderful. And so no investors at the moment, any plans to bring that on or you're staying a kind of a family? Small brand? little company. Um, or more of a family brand, not necessarily yeah. small, but you know, more of a, a family based. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not the moment. Uh, it definitely will be a conversation if we want to expand rapidly and a little bit more than we are. But, um, you know, kind of want to have complete control over everything and um, be able to kind of decide our decisions without having to be controlled by someone else necessarily. So uh, no plans at the moment. And are you ba- mainly based in Canada in terms of your sales or because I know you mentioned you you went to like New York and the UK trade shows. Do you sell your products abroad uh, like or internationally in, in other places? Yeah. Yeah, we sell products everywhere, and then we also have our own e-commerce business, so that's shipped everywhere as well. What did you say the first bit was? You sell? Oh, we sell products everywhere, and then oh, we're also okay. uh, e-commerce, so we ship everywhere. Oh, okay, so you actually, so you have you also wholesale internationally as well. Oh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's great. What kind of stores are you in? Are you in sort of more independent boutique type stores? Yeah, mostly independent. Um, some multinationals we've been throughout the years, uh, mostly Canadian-based. Uh, but yeah, mostly boutiques and one or two locations generally. Got it. Wonderful. And what about um, marketing strategies? What have been some of the marketing strategies that you've used um, that have been most successful? I'm imagining it's probably going to be Instagram or even Pinterest because of the visual aspect. But, but let tell us uh, tell a little us about bit about that. Um, so there's two prongs to our business. There's the wholesale side of things, which is direct to business, so B2B, and then also we have direct to consumer. So the marketing is a little bit different for either sect of kind of um, which way you're marketing. Uh, for direct to consumer, we mostly do Facebook and Instagram ads. We find that those have been the most successful in terms of reaching a pretty broad consumer. Um, and, you know, you can change up your ad every day, every week. And so uh, we're really kind of tactile and lean, especially during the pandemic with how we're marketing to 
the masses, especially because that's kind of the only way to speak to people right now, or it has been for last three or four months. Um, so that's kind of always been our strategy. And then also just getting media and press within um, different markets to kind of get it out there to get brand awareness and consumer awareness. Um, and then from a B2C marketing kind of standpoint, we do a lot of, uh, we'll do trade magazines. So like advertise actually in trade magazines like Draper's and then um, trade shows as well. So they'll have certain magazines for trade shows as well. And that's kind of um, more tactile. We find that buyers kind of do a little bit more research when they're looking into brands. So kind of getting into as many places that they can see us as possible. Got it, got it. Now, I know that giving back is really important to you and you've partnered with a couple of uh, women's organisations. I think one is called Up With Women and Black Women in Motion um, by donating a percentage of your profits and proceeds. And I believe even one of them you donate or one product you donate 100% of the proceeds. So talk us a little bit about those partnerships and why they're important. So I always wanted to create, to me, fashion and feminism is always so intertwined. And I wanted to create, you know, along with this capsule. You don't really think of them as being intertwined. They do like when you said that fashion and feminism, they're not necessarily words that have historically gone together. So it's interesting you say that. If they kind of are, though, at the same time, because like even something like the suffragette movement, which was, you know, gaining women the right to vote was so heavily influenced by like that they took spoke, uh, picked the, the colors to kind of use to kind of show that they were suffragettes and even kind of, you That's know, the true. evolution of yeah jeans and pockets and pants for women um, from the 50s and going into the workforce. So it's been kind of you don't always assume it's gonna be the same thing because a lot of people have a negative view of fashion, which I understand because there's a lot of problems with fashion as well as problematic. Um, but in terms of like kind of pushing for women's rights, it, it kind of does go hand in hand with social movements a lot of the time. Um, I could talk about that for hours, but <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to create a capsule that was kind of something um, that could give back to women and to give back to my community uh, within Canada. So both these organizations are Canadian based um, and they help kind of at risk women within the community. And, you know, because the feminist capsule, you know, speaks to women so much, I wanted it to be that specific thing that could give back to them. Um, so we mostly give proceeds to them. And then with black women in motion, uh, we're working on different things coming up for the year. Um, we, have engaged a lot of conversations about, you know, money's great and they really need large organizations to help them so like we can give them proceeds, which is obviously amazing. Um, but they, you know, little things like places to meet when they have meetings is something that they desperately need or a lot of women don't have access to devices. So it's hard to get jobs. You don't have like an iPad or a computer or a cell phone even. So we're trying to do more kind of grassroots stuff with them as well. So doing devices drives as well as also then giving them money. So um, kind of any way that they kind of uh, need we're kind of taking a cue from them and kind of working with them to kind of be as you know there for them as we possibly can wonderful wonderful no I love that I want that um so what have been tell us about what's been your because you've been an entrepreneur now for a few years that's seven years or so maybe maybe a bit longer um what's been your worst moment uh well there's been a lot uh I guess um Anytime we, we can't meet a deadline or we can't uh, let somebody down, that kind of is a huge hit for me. Um, we don't have that happen a lot anymore, but in the beginning, definitely, um, you know, trying to manage when you don't, when you get bigger, it's easier to get people like manufacturers to kind of make you a priority for producing. But when you're small, you don't do a lot of units, a lot of numbers, sometimes you can get put by the wayside or not get priority for that kind of stuff. So your timelines get a little bit more screwed up. And um, so that kind of was a letdown in the beginning was when you can't make something happen. Um, I've learned to kind of like stuff will happen. You have to let it go. Try to just be better in the future and learn from your mistakes in the past. Um, I guess that's like kind of the huge biggest letdown I've ever kind of experienced in this journey. Um, 
you know, had to let some people go. That's always a tough time, um, a tough conversation to have and that any small business owner probably can understand, but it hasn't been too bad. So I've been pretty lucky. Brilliant. And what about the best? What's been your best moment or experience or a real kind of highlight? I'm guessing Victoria uh, Beckham was probably a good one, wasn't it? But anything else? Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you kind of get this, uh, you know, great celebrity story or stuff is amazing. Honestly, though, I find that the, the biggest kind of moments is sometimes when I, you know, walked on a street or I, you know, I'm on the subway and I see someone actually wearing my one of my pieces and I don't know who they are. And, and that kind of is just a huge moment. A lot of my friends now will take pictures when they see something like if the oh. feminist jacket's so iconic. So people snap and send me photos oh. and to know that like that person who, you know, whatever their situation is spent their money that they earned on something that I made and wanted to wear it proudly and woke up in the morning was like, this is what I want to wear today and loved it. That's kind of a bigger moment than any celebrity wearing anything. So, Aww. you know, those have always been big wins for me. I love that. Do you go up to people at any time and kind of say, hi, I'm the designer. I made that. No. <laughs> is it <No>. tempting? <laughs> uh, I'm a little shy, so I don't think that would be uh, we have a jacket with actually my name on the back and I saw someone wearing it once and I just kind of like put my head down. and. Just <laughs> funny <laughs> oh I love that I love that what um, tips and advice would you give to other aspiring uh, vegan business owners and entrepreneurs who might want to start their own business whether it be in fashion or in another area um the biggest kind of thing that I've learned and in, in when I saw my largest growth in my company was kind of finding a team that really jive well to me and finding people that could fill the role of things that I wasn't good at so recognizing kind of your weaknesses or things that maybe, you know, it's taking you too much to do or take too much of your time and finding someone to do that for you. And then kind of creating this like, you know, symbiotic relationship with each other. That kind of is when I started to see kind of huge growth in my company is um, these great teams they put together and, and you know, making them work for you. I think that's kind of the best advice I could give to a kind of a small business owner. Yeah, got it. Got it. Um, and what's your long term vision, both for yourself and your, your brand? What do you anything you can share with us? Yeah, uh, well, for my brand, I just want to keep going. Um, we want to maybe expand into accessories and just kind of keep growing the, the collection more and more. Um, we're excited. We're working with some more um, different fabric mills to get a little bit more on the forefront of technology for sustainability. So that's been kind of a really exciting development. Um, you know, we're coming out with a vegan leathers in, in next summer that are all eco and recycled. So, you know, kind of just keeping advancing the conversation on sustainability and um, being able to work with different people in that community to kind of just create better and better clothes. It's something that I'm like very excited for. And I think a lot of companies that are kind of pushing for more sustainable options are, you know, really looking forward to. It's hard as a small brand because we can't really like push um, innovation in the eco world because, you know, we don't have the capital and, you know, we're not like a big company that gets to always push for it. So, you know, being in contact with mills and kind of, you know, engaging that conversation and being able to use their technology is really amazing. And seeing this kind of, you know, um, movement happen. So I'm really excited to be able to like really take part in it and, and push the brand even further into more sustainable ways. I love that. Um, I wanted to ask you actually, um, the situation with the pandemic with COVID-19, how's that impacted your business and how are you handling it? It's been a lot. Uh, <laughs> so we went into 2020 with kind of a, a mindset that we were going to be 40% e-commerce and 60% uh, wholesale. And so we went to a trade show in, in London and we hired a, a UK PR firm and we were doing this aggressive strategy to kind of move into that market. And then it was, this was in February and then everything kind of just shut down. And so we've had to kind of completely pivot our strategy a little bit for spring and then for next, for this fall coming up, um, kind of into, you know, an 80% e-commerce and a 20% wholesale. Um, just because we're not sure of where 
businesses are going to be retail wise and who's going to be accepting goods and especially for fall and then what that trickles down and for a year or a year and a half kind of even three years what that kind of looks like um, the competition will get steeper and then a lot of stores are you know may not be around so we've had to kind of alter our marketing message and kind of switch our budget up a little bit to kind of focus a lot on our e-commerce which has been you know it's been was really great during the pandemic and that switch has been working for us so we're just kind of trying to push that harder and harder but it is like a big a bit of a switch for us so it's been it's been a weird time because it's been it's been hard and it's been challenging but it's also like you know we've become way more lean and we've created much more you know interesting marketing messages and we've really taken a look at our business and really gotten up on the numbers and you know really gone aggressively into it so we've seen a lot of gains so it's been an interesting you know in both ways it's been you know a little bit of a upset but also kind of we're learning a lot and we're you know making it work so that's kind of been like a win as well that's great so basically the e-commerce has helped you to to get through um yeah the thing it's interesting with e-commerce and fashion because you know often something can look really good on the internet or look really good you know on, on a mannequin or on a person on the internet but then when you get it you know it's not quite the right size I guess that's my thing with fashion it's a little bit of a risk but you obviously find people do buy clothes online now I guess and and hope for the best it's a big risk and we're trying to make it like as positive for the consumer as possible. So we're trying to get it on as many different kind of body types as possible. So you can see it on different sizes. Uh, okay. And then um, for, for spring, we just had, we did like instructional videos where I actually talked about each piece and how it fit. And if you had a larger bus, it might not work for you and kind of giving the consumer as much information uh. as possible. And then for fall, we're doing all these kind of like rotating um, fit videos. So you can actually see it like in a 360, someone walking. And that's kind of like the biggest thing we've, we've, feedback we've heard from e-commerce is that people want to have a more immersive experience because some people are scared about buying online, which I totally understand. So we're just trying to give the consumer as much information as we possibly can so they can make an educated decision on what they're purchasing. I love that. That's a really smart idea. I would That would make me more inclined to buy something, uh, you know, particularly a higher end in investment in an item to actually kind of, yeah, see that on the different body, but see how it, it is when, you know, it actually hangs on a person because a mannequin is completely different to a human body shape and moving around with it um so i think that's really smart that's really clever that's brilliant i guess i just want to finally end on i know we've touched on feminism and that's one of the reasons i was you know drawn to to interview you where do you kind of see that at the moment we're seeing quite a bit of divisiveness at the moment i mean look there's always infighting in all social justice movements i've been involved with you know feminism lgbtiq and animal rights since the late 80s and there's always infighting i think particularly now with covid19 more people in front of their computers and social media and there's not a lot of nuanced conversation so i'm curious to get your take on it as a, a fellow feminist what what do you what do you think needs to happen what are you kind of seeing and what what do you hope will happen so I thought we were kind of in the right direction we were going, especially kind of over the last two years in the Me Too movement. And I was kind of feeling like we were getting somewhere in terms of the feminist issue and, and feminism and, you know, equal pay and visibility in the workplace. And I was an intersectional feminism. It really felt like it was moving on to the right way. And the pandemic, pandemic hit and I heard a stat that was like push women back to before 1990 levels of unemployment and not as much job opportunities. And, you know, there's no access to uh, childcare. They have, well, a lot of women have to stay home, take care of the kids and don't necessarily get to go back to the office. They don't have the time to work from home always. And that to me is just a huge setback and troubling. And I think that we need as a society need to kind of tear down these patriarchal and matriarchal roles that we've kind of set out for each other or that we think is acceptable. Um, and like, you know, the husband's job doesn't take precedence over the wife's job or a man or woman or whatever your living situation is. And I think that it needs to come from all sections. It can't 
a lot of times I find it's women pushing women and women out there fighting for women's rights, but we need men and we need allies and we need men to, you know, fight for equal pay for women. And to, if they are in the, you know, in a place of power in their industry, they need to push for it and they need to make a new representation in hiring, you know, throughout women and men and intersectionally through races. So, you know, it's got to come from all sides. I'm hopeful that, you know, the conversation's happening and people are wanting to change. I'm worried the pandemic's pushed us a little bit further back that we're going to have to fight even more. But I think we're, we're all in it for the long haul. So it's nice to see that kind of community come together and just can't listen to the haters. That's kind of my mantra. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fantastic that we've got brands like yours that are, you know, stylish and fabulous, but yeah, really inclusive, you know, like making them default vegan is obviously, you know, opens up to a whole, you know, everybody. I think all products, in my view, all products should be by, you know, default vegan because then, you know, everybody wins. Um, and then the fact that, you know, you're, you're continuing to make them more sustainable. I love the fact that they're size inclusive. You've got that feminist uh, angle going as well and you give back. I mean, we need to see more businesses like yours. So, look, it's been lovely speaking with you, Hillary. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for sharing your, your insights uh, and your expertise. I think it's been great. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate so much. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 